Welcome and welcome back to Cell Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jed, and I'm viewing and reviewing the soapiest, sudsiest primetime storylines of the 80s. Pour up some Pinot or Merlot because we're heading to Falcon Crest for Season 3, Episode 14, Sport of Kings. It's got to be interesting. Things are starting to shape up as they should be. So whether you're new to this or true to this, you need to sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids to play outside or out of sight till they no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25 to 35 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot. Listen, y'all can be cool, you can be quiet, or you will be kicked out. You can go play outside or out of sight with the kids for all I care because it is time for my stories. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Boy. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to another fun fun edition of Soap Lore. We are jumping into Falcon Crest. I had to buy dry white wine the other day for a recipe. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm not a wine connoisseur. I know very little about it. It's not my favorite beverage, but there's something so classy and so sophisticated about it. And that's kind of the theme for Falcon Crest. I feel like even though they fight, nobody really puts their hands on each other, not cussing each other out. The reeds are for filth when they come from Angela, but everyone else kind of plays that good guy role. I have noticed over the last few episodes, though, things are, claws are coming out. Things are getting a little grittier, a little grimier. Falcon Crest is not here to play. I have no idea what Sport of Kings is. I'm assuming it's some sort of hunting. And this episode is a little bit different. I did go ahead and watch this one all the way through. Promptly forgot what happened because that was a couple of days ago. So I'm back. I have it playing in the background and I'm just going to give you the best parts of it because I want you guys to enjoy this. I want you to enjoy it for yourself. For those of you who are new here, hi, welcome. I'm watching Falcon Crest for free in quotations because I pay for the Amazon Prime membership. So of course that comes with these other perks. This is on the Freevee app, which is within the Amazon Prime app. Falcon Crest does have a few commercials, but all in all, it's not bad. You'll hardly notice them. All right, guys, I don't I don't know what Sport of Kings is. Is that hunting? I would assume it is. Their titles aren't the best. I was thinking about this the other day. Their titles are often them in Dallas. Nobody's putting any thought into these. You didn't come here to hear me wax poetic about the theme. We came to get into these stories, baby. Kick your feet up. Pour yourself up something good. I'm drinking a green smoothie today. It's so good. Refreshing. It kind of smells like grass, but it's from the tropical smoothie or tropical cafe place. Very delicious. Keeping me cool in the summer heat. All right, guys. Enough of the rambling. Season three, episode 14, Sport of Kings, Falcon Crest. Last place you want to be is in between your two worst enemies and Chase does not seem. No. There I go again. I haven't called this man Chase in months. Chance doesn't seem to understand his true predicament. See, his mistake is that he thinks he's the man. Now, he is the aviator Adonis, after all. He is a good guy. He is the Boy Scout of the show. However, he's not clocking Richard's work, and he's not fully clocking Angela's work because he's trying to be all things to all people at all times. Remember, he's on the city council as some sort of councilman. He is the sole proprietor of Falcon Crest for the time being until Angela can work her way back into that. And he still runs a vineyard. 
and he's got a family. He's feeling good. You know, he's feeling like he's on top of the world. But as they say, the higher, the, what is it? The loneliest place is at the top. I'm going to mess it up. Basically, somebody's always coming for your throne. He has never fully clocked Richard's true personality or his true motives because Richard is good at what he does. Richard is also the male version of Angela, where he knows how to deliver information with a smile and do his due diligence behind the scenes to make sure that when he goes after an enemy, he he doesn't just go after you. He's going to wipe you out. Richard is the villain. Richard is the V.I. villain. He has made it very clear. He is nobody's friend this episode. Let me just kind of walk you through his day. It's almost as if he was at home going through his Rolodex. Actually, he would never do that because he has a secretary. So it's like he asked Miss whatever her name is. Miss Lynch, could you come in here? Now, I just, who have I not bothered today? So he starts going down the list. He loves Emma. Emma seems to be the only person who's sort of untouchable for him. Anything she asks, he allows. Anything she wants, he makes sure that it happens. And he never really, he has no beef with her. He does not seem to be, not only is he amused by her, but he seems he seems to like her. So it's like he was going down the list. He's like, okay, I'm already working on Angela. Melissa is helping me work on Angela. I'm going to ruin her. Uh, but proxy, that'll ruin her husband. That'll also sort of embarrass Cole. I'm already working on ruining some vineyards, which is going to ruin Chance. Chase. There I go again. Chase. No. Yeah, Chase. Let's see. I got Chase's wife working for me, but she's only going to work here until I get what I need. Um, Man, who am I missing? Ah, Julia. For no reason. For no reason at all. Richard decides it's time to go visit his sister in the mental hospital. Now, remember, she got out of jail because she she was playing up her kookaloo syndrome just a little bit. She was putting it on just because they were going for her neck. The COs were beating her up, getting her drunk. The other inmates didn't like her. They kept calling her a princess. She was making things real uncomfortable for them. So they wanted to get rid of her. So there she is in the mental hospital. And this is a little bit of a different game. The ladies at the mental hospital are, they it's pay to play. You can't just walk in here. There are no visiting hours. Julia isn't supposed to have visitors, but Richard reaches deep into his pocket, retrieves about 600 bucks and convinces one of her guards or nurses to say, hey, you can talk to her for five minutes. Well, the only reason he goes in there, I mean, he's he's nice at first. He's hugging her, blase, blase. They have a seat and then he starts to tell her how great she looks, how happy he is, how happy he is for her. She's like, thank you, Richard. This is, you know, it's not as bad. It's just kind of a a rose by a different name. You know, same thing. The nurses are basically guards, but you know, whatever. They have their medical license and whatnot. But all in all, I'm doing good. You know, I got a new grandbaby coming. This is her telling Richard. He's like, oh my gosh. Yes, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a grandbaby or I have a baby coming. Melissa's pregnant with my baby. Now, why would you do that? Julia loses her mind. Now, now, two things here. There was no reason to show up and tell her that. She's already in a horrible mood. What more could she do? She's not going anywhere. She wasn't about to get out of prison. She's certainly not about to get out of that mental hospital. But I guess this is just insurance for Richard. He wanted to ensure that if there was even a remote chance of her being freed anytime soon, that's going away. 
Because as soon as he told her Melissa was having his baby, Julia freaks out. Now, the second part of that is, Julia, why would you care? Again, you were never going to get out. You were not going to be holding that baby. You knew Melissa had been around town and so does your son. So why would you be surprised? She acts a fool. She's, I'm going to kill you. It's on sight, Richard. I swear. I'm going to kill you. If I was to you again, I'm going to kill you. It's on sight. Of course, this gets her smashed up by the nurses slash security guards. They drag her out of the room. And once again, she has ruined another opportunity to get out of the clink. She's going to be in a padded room or a steel cage for the rest of her life at this part, at this point in the story. I failed to mention that he took Miss Lynch with him this time, and she looks fantastically bored with the entire situation. She does a resting, calm face. She never looks annoyed. She never looks fully happy. She just kind of looks serene. Like, okay, mm-hmm. That was fascinating. She just watched a woman get drug out. Richard was kind of like, whoa, that was awesome. So I guess after that, he figured, okay, I already ruined someone's day. Let me head back to the office and see what I need to take care of business-wise. This is when Philip, who he now calls backdoor Philip, because he has installed a set of stairs that goes directly to his office, Richard, that is. And Philip always takes those stairs so that he can continue to be discreet, even though Melissa already knows he sneaks up there. She knows it because she sneaks, you know, takes one to no one. Richard is informed by Philip that the racetrack that Richard wants to build is underway. The entire Tuscany Valley voted to approve said racetrack. This is devastating for Falcon Crest. So, of course, Philip, since he's playing both sides of the fence, he is reporting Angie all the moves that Richard is making, and then he goes back to Richard to report all the moves that Angie is making. Only this time, this visit is about Chase. Chase has arranged through the power of his political position as some sort of councilman or water board. I don't remember. It's not important. They need to bring this back up. So they're going to revisit this vote and he's going to try to get it reversed. Chase's. So Richard's like, okay, let me figure out what I'm going to do about that. And Philip is just like, out of curiosity, dude. Why do you keep going for this kid's neck? This is your brother. Your mother, Jacqueline, wrote in her will that if y'all get along, if Chase says y'all are getting along, you both get $25 million. Now, Richard has already embraced his villain arc. He knows who he is. He's like, I'm not trying to change. I'm a bad guy. That's what I do. I'm a very good at being bad guy. I'm wealthy. I have power. I pissed off a cartel. My father's been erased. My mother's gone. What do I, I don't need no siblings. I ain't got no siblings. I got one sibling, Emma. He's not, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I need you to know that I don't make up anything, but from time to time, I will extract the essence of a scene versus giving you the verbatim dialogue. Sometimes I do this in something called soap law theater. Other times I'm just telling you, this is me just telling you. So he has said this in so many ways. He doesn't have a family. The only person he semi-considers family, and he and this is through his actions, seems to be Emma. He doesn't have anything to lose because, as you know, he still runs a very successful company. He could pretend to be nice. He could pretend to be Chase's friend, which is utterly exhausting. Or he can embrace his dark side. And that's what he's chosen to do. So he tells Philip, he's like, oh, yeah, um, 
I could be cool or I could not. I figure by the time I'm done with Chase, he's going to need that $25 million more than I am. So Richard's new plan is just he's going to be so diabolical that his brother will be on the, the, the cusp of bankruptcy so that he'll he'll have to say, yeah, Richard and I are getting along so they can have the money. That's his thought. And by that point, he'll already be ahead. He'll already have the racetrack. He will have already bought up most of Tuscany Valley. He'll be the sole owner of a lot of that. So he'll already have more money anyway, which isn't a bad plan. It's actually a great plan, if I'm being perfectly honest. Part of that plan still involves Melissa, who is flailing. We'll get into her a little bit deeper, but we got to just touch on her right now. Now, Melissa, by this point, through the magic of soap opery, she is big, big pregnant. She's like five months pregnant. She has to wear maternity clothes, the finest maternity clothes you've ever seen. She is wrapped in silk and shiny and what is that? Lame? Is that what that's called? Gold lame? Whatever. She looks fabulous. I think last episode or two episodes ago, she had a flat stomach. She was perfectly fine. And you know, her and Richard have been sleeping together for the past few months. Which is so weird because he knows she's pregnant by Lance. Anyway, now she's like physically big. And I think that's starting to kind of turn him off a little bit. So she shows up fully expecting some sort of play. But Richard has other plans. As a matter of fact, he didn't have time for it. He's like, what do you want? She's just like, I want to make sure you're going to buy my grapes. He cuts her a check and she's upset. She gets upset and she leaves. Melissa's going to do a whole lot of storming out this episode because this is so disappointing to me. She's she's still probably one of the most exciting people on the show. She is the most soapy actress on the show for sure. And I love watching her. This girl is making so many mistakes. Richard knows that's not his baby. He bought the grapes. That's pretty much all he wants. She has no leverage there. She's also playing both sides of the fence or at least trying to with Angie, pretending as if she's holding off. But ultimately, Richard has already bought those grapes. Now she is going to be faced with this very embarrassing paternity suit because Cole is done playing. Cole and TV Shania, they want to start a family. As far as they're concerned, they already got one kid. That's Joseph. All he's asking for is split custody. But Melissa is, she's big tripping this whole episode. So there's a moment when they are at dinner at Falcon Crest and they are dressed to the nines. I don't, I think I've mentioned this before, but when they sit down to eat dinner, it is, it's like they're in, like they're going to the opera. Everyone is dressed to the nine. It is Lance, Angela, and Melissa. Melissa's trying to make little slick comments about Angela's current state of being kicked out. <laughs> and Angela's like, well, girl, you better be focused on not losing your son because Cole's about to take you to court and take your baby. Ooh. Messy Angela, but Big Perm, you know, she don't have time for that. She's got bigger things on her mind. Big Perm needs to get back in control of Falcon Crest. She does not want Chase to make champagne. Side note, I was in the grocery store last week because I wanted to make bolognese. I got it in my mind that I'm going to make it from scratch. It's going to be so delicious. Never made it before in my life, right? Part of the recipe calls for a dry white wine. Do you know I am so non-versed? In wine that I was like, is Pinot Grigio? Like, that's white wine, right? Is that dry? I don't know how people know these things. It's just, I, I mean, it is one of those things that you can learn. But I was utterly clueless. I had to Google it. It was very embarrassing to Google. Is that Pinot Grigio dry white wine? And it is, I suppose. Anyway, 
Angela don't want no Pinot Grigio if it's dry white wine. (laughs) She would have been appalled at my barefoot brand choice. And she doesn't want Falcon Crest name on anything of the sort. She wants, this is, we are a winery, buddy. We don't do champagne. Oh my God, I just realized what I said. Pinot Grigio is not champagne. I don't, whatever, y'all. You, you know what I'm saying. So Angela is doing her due diligence behind the scenes. She's pulling a Richard. She is buying up everyone else's supplies. Anyone in the Valley who makes champagne, she's buying those grapes. I had no idea that there was a difference between wine grapes and champagne grapes. I thought perhaps it was just a different process, but apparently there's a different, um, they're different. They don't look the same. So she starts to buy them up and Philip, you know, he's being that voice of reason. So he asked her, he's like, Angie, why would you go around buying those grapes? You know, what's going to happen. They're only going to end up in some low level flea market type situation. And it's going to ruin your brand. Why would you buy up all that? And uh, just to, to prove Chase wrong, Angie, along the same thought process of Richard is like, well, it probably won't get to that. My goal is to make Chase so desperate that he, he basically gives everything back to me. And then I'll, I'll make better decisions from that point. But if I have to sacrifice a little bit, that's what I'm going to do. So her plan is to go around buying up all those grapes so that he can't turn out a profit for, or he can't produce Falcon Crest champagne. Let's go back to the standard. Melissa, Lance, and Angela are eating dinner when Charlie comes in and he's like, Lance, you have a phone call. It's the hostess at this restaurant. She says you left your credit card. And at first Lance was like, I've been there like two months. Gets on the phone and guess who it is? Aunt Terry calling him from Michael's house. And she's like, hey, uh, yeah, why don't you meet me at our hotel room? That's right, folks. She said our hotel room, meaning the hotel room that they frequent the most. They have a standing reservation at a particular hotel room so that they can canoodle in peace. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay, now, Lance, we know he gets around. That's no surprise. But Terry, how are you doing this right under Michael's nose? I'll tell you how. Because Cousin Michaels, a.k.a. Dr. Cousins, is a teetotal fool, a.k.a. he is boo-boo the fool. If Richard is the villain, Dr. Cousins is boo-boo the fool. It does not take a whiz to see that Terry has absolutely no interest in him. Now, there's something going on with Maggie this whole episode. And I'm not going to talk to you guys about that because I want you to watch it for yourself. If you so do, If you do so, choose to do so. If you do so, choose to do so. If you do so, choose to do so. Something going on with Maggie that I think is going to turn into a bigger story. So I'm just going to let that build up for a little bit. But know that she does go over to the house to have a conversation with Richard. It's not about Terry. Not Richard. Excuse me. God, there's so many people. Maggie is at the house talking to Dr. Cousins. She's at Dr. Cousins' house. She's asking him some information on this thing she's doing. And there comes Sister Terry, Auntie Terry, down the the stairs. And she's got on her uniform of a silk robe. And he's just, he's smiling. He's beaming at her, beaming at her. Maggie tries her best to be like, hey, sis, great to see you. She wants, she's like, Mike, Mike, you can't be serious, right? You must know how this looks. You got this girl living here. And mind you, this is Maggie's flesh and blood. And she's like, 
are you sure you want to do this? And Mike's like, hey, just be cool. Just be cool. And you know what? Go for it. Who knows what his past is? I'm sure that'll bubble up at some point. But for whatever reason, he is comforted by this woman. Now, you know what that means. Sadly, that means that he is not interested in Emma. There is another point in the story where Maggie is talking to Emma and she, Emma asks her if Michael ever asks about her. And she's like, Maggie tells her, girl, he, no, he's not asking about you because Terry is living with him now. And at first Emma tries to play it cool. She's like, oh, okay, I'll give it a week. But she's compelled. You know, she's a whimsical free spirit. She's honest. She's raw. And she's like, I will not, cannot live this lie. I need to speak to Michael face to face and let him know once and for all what I feel. So she goes to visit him at work and she says, Mike, I'm in love with you. You're a great man. You're a wonderful doctor. And I just need to know if you have any feelings for me whatsoever. Do you care for me, Mike? And Mike says, no. You're a lovely woman. You're a wonderful person. You're a lovely woman. But no, I, I don't care for you. I'm sorry. And she's, you know, she's heartbroken. Her heart's melting. She's like, man, for real? Is it because of, is it because of Terry? He's like, no, it's just me. You're a wonderful person. And I really do wish I had these feelings for you. What a classy way to let someone down. That is a lovely way to say, it's not that, oh, it's, it's not you. It's me. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm flattered and you're amazing. You're incredible. And ultimately, you're perfect. However, the heart wants what it wants. And it has this, at this point, I need you to know it, there's nothing wrong with you at all. I'm just not, I'm in a different place. It's lovely, lovely, but heartbreaking. We must get to this paternity test, y'all. Like I said, not a test per se this episode, but there is a briefing. This is what Angie was teasing Melissa about at dinner. It goes down. This is the first time on any of the soap operas I've seen anything close to a morbipovic paternity test reveal. Every time I'd watch Maury, I just could never figure out for the life of me why you would bring more than five people on a show to see if that's your kid's dad. There's no, there's no way. No way. Melissa, luckily, only has to deal with Lance and they go to, I'm just going to call it a deposition. I don't really know what it's called. A pre-screening, pre-questioning this, these are the questions that need to be asked and answered before they go to trial. So it is Melissa, lawyer Philip, and this guy, I guess, representing the courts. He has to ask some questions about her life, her marriage, la, 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 Lance is in the waiting room. He'll come in next. Small room. This guy's not holding any punches. He's doing his job, but clearly he doesn't believe that they are a solid couple, Melissa and Lance. So the first question out of his mouth is, have you been faithful the entire time you've been married? And she's like, of course, of course I have I'm happily married. And he's like, okay, uh, are you sure? And she's insulted. Yes, absolutely. My husband and I have a wonderful relationship. Everything is fantastic. Thank you for asking. So then he jumps in. He's like, okay, cool. Well, what about your husband? Is he faithful? She's like, of course he is. Absolutely. He's always been faithful. What are you talking about? He may or may not have mentioned Richard. I don't remember exactly because the next part is so. <laughs> she goes off. She swears up and down the yes, yes, yes. Lance is an excellent husband. We are fully in love. He doesn't cheat on me. So the guy asking the questions is like, well, what about that hotel room he has downtown at the blah, blah, blah. He's been seen with a certain woman there every other night or whatever. 
And Melissa's mad because she remembers that whole conversation about the, the girl calling for the credit card. Remember they were at dinner dressed to the nines and it was really Terry. She knows. She knows this. For whatever reason, she has a, a little thorn in her side about Terry specifically, which is weird because it's like, girl, you have been cheating with Richard this entire time. How dare you get mad? She's not rational. She's just, you know, I'm mad. But yes, I'm mad. Yes, I'm cheating. And yes, I'm mad. My husband should be faithful while I go cheat. <laughs> so anyway, she continues to deny, like, no, he doesn't have a hotel room. So the guy says, well, he was seen there on August 18th. Then again, on August 23rd, then again, on August 28th, uh, August 31st, September 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Basically, he's naming all these dates. And finally, she's like, all right, all right, all right. That's enough. That's enough. Yes, he cheats. Our whole marriage is a farce. She's screaming this, screaming this. She's so loud that Lance comes in and Philip is just like, girl, got to be, come on now. Girl, please do better. Tries to grab her and calm her down, but she's so pissed. She can't even take it. Jumps up. She's swinging her hair around. Lance comes bursting through the door and she's like, you idiot. You absolute teetotal fool. You ruined everything. Couldn't be discreet, so it may or may not cost them Joseph at this point. I think I'm going to leave the rest of the episode alone. I'm not going to tell you just in case you guys want to jump in and watch it. Uh... There's not a whole lot more that goes on. I did mention at the top of the show that someone does get arrested, but it's funny. And I'm pretty sure that'll be the first thing they talk about on the next episode. <laughs> I feel like Chase is getting different camera angles. Maybe he's entering his sex symbol era here because he definitely is getting great camera time. I think he might've actually directed a couple episodes. I don't know how far along in the series and this goes for all the shows I'm watching, how far along I need to be before I'm comfortable looking into the the actors who play them a little more, because I'm curious about the lore backstage. If this was a golden age of primetime, you know, there's some juicy, salacious stories playing in the background, but that will have to be for another day. Join me next time. I've decided we're going to go ahead and jump into Dallas They've been on a roll lately with the, the serious nature. I love when Ellie and Jock actually come out to play a little bit more. Ellie's been, you know, she's been super serious. She's got the mastectomy. She had, she's almost lost the ranch. I want to see if she's going to come out of this funk or if they're going to make her fade into the background again. I kind of like having her in the forefront saying more than, don't drink that Jock or have a seat Jock or don't forget what the doctor said Jock. Who knew? Who knew she had such range? And I want to see more Lucy. I, everything is shaping up well. Can't wait to see how Pam adjusts to Sue Ellen's new relationship with the baby. It's getting good, y'all. It's getting very good. So we're going to jump into Dallas. In the meantime, in between time, take care of yourself. Mind your own business. Stay hydrated. Stay moisturized. And keep all of your drama on TV. Bye.